0: If it doesn't look like you, if it doesn't talk like you, it's so far outside of you or your Mm. comprehension that you're like, I I don't know what's going on. So for me, it was like, this is real for me, Imani, the Black American woman that has the blue passport. Travel is not a predictable thing. Sometimes it's very gritty. I can say I'm a seasoned traveler. Yeah, but I've never dealt with anything like this.
1: Welcome to Unearth Women, the podcast that connects women around the globe through travel. In today's episode, Nikki Vargas, Unearth Women co-founder, chats with Amani Bashar, a Black American Muslim traveler and author of Follow the Takeoff Toddler, a children's book series helping marginalized youth see the world. Amani's bylines include Teen Vogue, Cosmo, Glamour, HuffPost, and more. Amani is an expat who was living in Wuhan, China, right as the coronavirus began. She shares with us her story of being separated from her family by the pandemic, stuck countries away from her husband
0: and son in Prague as borders close all around her. Hey Nikki. Hey, <laughs> hey how are you? How are I'm you fantastic. Doing? How are you? I'm good. I'm oh soaking my up the sun. god look right
1: at now. you outside.
0: <laughs> yeah it's literally I'm literally in a field of nothing and they just finished um, mowing the grass so there's like no one out here so it's like the perfect spot right now to just get my social distancing on and get some outside in.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, but first, where are you right now? Obviously outside, (laughs) but where in the world are you?
0: So we're currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. We meaning uh, my husband and my three-year-old son.
1: So you had a journey to get back (laughs) with your family. And I want to talk a little bit about your coronavirus experience because it's really, it's it's interesting and it, it transcends borders. And there was a lot that went on there. So last we saw each other, we were yeah. in New York for the yeah. West Horror Fest. And then very shortly after, I think maybe a few days after the pandemic sort of took hold, New York yeah. began to shut down what happened
0: with you um firstly i just want to say it's good to see you healthy um i'm so glad that we get this moment to talk and i'm just you know i'm just glad to see that you're healthy that you're okay that you're safe so i just want to say that firstly and thank you thank you know you. for having me I, oh, of course um secondly so yeah so uh, my husband son and i actually lived in wuhan china mm-hmm. and um you know this was this was our home. We were in China for two years. My husband coaches American football, but he coaches internationally. So we've been, I mean, he's lived in eight countries now. We've, as we've been together, we've lived in four countries. And so we pretty much are kind of like nomadic expats. But when we had our son, my son was born in 2017. We decided, okay, we want to take deals that are a little bit longer cuz typically his deals would maybe be just for the season so like mm-hmm. 3 or 4 months or you know something like that so we were looking for more year round deals. We've been traveling to China since 2016 and so after my son was born he we were in Egypt living in Egypt and we got he got another offer for a deal to come back to China so we came back to China mm-hmm. and I mean you know, the way that I can describe it to people is that, you know, if if you've never been to that area of the world, most people are used to hearing about Shanghai or Beijing or, you know, the, the bigger cities, um, the more known cities, Guangzhou. And Wuhan is not a small city. It's eleven million people. It's high rise buildings. It's mega malls. It's wow. Starbucks. It's like just in you know, if you can envision this, they have, I think, twelve universities in Wuhan. Wow. So it's not a rural town at all. It's not a rural town by any means. And so, um and you know what we're interesting you say mm-hmm. that and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's really no,
1: funny you say that because I I think the impression you like that people seem to get of Wuhan, whether it's through the media or whether through mm-hmm. Assumption or whatever it is, the impression seems to be that it's this sort of like rural town. And so it's, it's amazing to get a yeah. person's perspective. <laughs> and for those just joining again, Amani Bashir is an amazing travel writer. We're talking to her about her coronavirus experience and she has a very unique journey. So she's telling us how it began.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, literally like, you know, just talking about like where we lived, like our building, we were never on a floor that was under 19 floors. Like Mm -hmm. we are always on the 20 something floor. I mean, our car garage, the type of vehicles that people drove, it's just like, this town was not, is not a city where it's not that kind of city. Like it's it's very well developed. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we felt safe. We, you know, the, the guy that offered my husband, the position was another coach from when we first came to China in 2016. He's also a dad, you know, also a family man. And he was like, it's a very family friendly city, which it very much is very family friendly city. I was always going on mommy dates and play dates and things like that. Um, and then, we so chinese new year obviously comes around once a year and being one of the um well probably the most important holiday in chinese culture everyone typically goes on vacation usually china is kind of like i don't want to say locked down but like kind of business kind of stops it slows down for about 10 days okay um And so, you know, around that time when you're a traveler, you know, most big holidays, you want to get your tickets well in advance. And so the year prior, we were novice, we were really new to it, and we ended up being stuck because, you know, we didn't know the dates of when to leave and flights that would normally be to Thailand for like maybe $120 round trip, they were much higher, accommodations were much higher the closer to the date. So in the next year, we were like, you know what, we're going to make sure we book our flight and I booked um, I booked one-way tickets to Malaysia because the way I was thinking I'm like, you know, we don't know how long we want to be there. We kind of like flexibility sometimes. So sometimes mm-hmm. we don't book round trips. We'll just book, you know, like one-ways depending on, you know, how long we want to stay. If we like a place, maybe we'll extend the yeah. trip. Or maybe we'll go, you know, we're in Malaysia. Maybe we want to go to Indonesia. Maybe we want to go somewhere else. So that's how we we typically do that for holidays. And we left January 14th, and I would say the next week, they had locked it down. They had locked China completely wow. down. So not just Wuhan, all of China completely yeah, down. Yeah, all of China. Wow. So, like, no flights were routing into China. Um, you could not get out of China at that point. It was wow. like everybody had to be on lockdown. I was text messaging my landlady because, you know, we we had left a whole apartment. We had left yeah. an entire apartment behind. My husband had his wallet there. She was like, "Does he need this?" And I'm like, "Well, he's not gonna get it now." Wow. So, so,
1: so you're locked. So you leave Wuhan on a family vacation, mm-hmm. and while you're gone, the entire country locks down because of this Lots pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, what, it, is the, what is the first thought in
0: your mind when you get this news? I was like, I w- It was it was hard because, you know, the first text message that I got about coronavirus was December 30th for my landlady, but we didn't know what it was. She mm-hmm. sent me a text message in Chinese, but I translated it, and it was she, she called it like She was like, wear your mask outside because there's like a a pneumonia outbreak. That's what she called it. And so for me, I thought it was weird. And I'm like, maybe it's not translating correctly because I didn't know like pneumonia is something that could be spread from person to person like that. Mm -hmm. So December 30th was the first time that we had ever heard anything about it. And my husband and I at the time were in different cities because I was doing a story in another city in China. So... I reminded him hey if you go out today just you know put put a mask on Nasir and you know if you take him to the mall whatever whatever but we really didn't think anything of it and prior to us leaving on the 14th of January we had just kind of like got an idea of okay this is something not so great because we had just learned about the first like couple of deaths in Wuhan Wow. And at that point, it wasn't something that was in other cities in China. It wasn't anything that was reported, like that people had gotten it from anywhere. And what I could say, which people don't really understand because they like how did it spread and how did it spread so fast? It was probably the worst possible time for this to happen because I think over 200 million. Just Chinese nationals travel for Chinese New Year every year, mm-hmm. and then imagine the universities all over China. All of the semesters are finished, so you have foreign, you know, nationals from other places that go to universities in China in various cities. They're going home, and then you have wow. a bunch of expats who live and work and everything in China that are going on vacation. So literally, that's what is hap- What that's what happened. Um, in there's the no of- way to contain it. Like by no. the time they
1: get understanding of the situation. People are already leaving and flying and going different directions. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah.
0: So we were in Malaysia um, and we literally for five weeks just had to continue to extend our stay because, you know, from week to week we were getting like different things like, okay, it's locked down. Nobody's able to come in. Okay. It may open up around this time i don't really think anybody knew the capacity i i like stay in group chats for americans that live in wuhan like i kept up with the group chats and people just had no idea what was going on they had no idea you know there were people that were still there even you know when sars happened so they were like this is not gonna be good you know what i mean and yeah. so it was just a matter of us like having to make like a fast decision like what do we do because we can't get back there so You know, we have this apartment there. We have our things there. Um, And, you know, after about, I would say, like, the second week, I think we made the decision that it was just, like, we're we're not going to be able to get back there. And it's pointless to try. And that's a big
1: decision. I mean, that's your life, your home, everything. And suddenly you're locked out on what should have been a nice vacation. So (laughs) you're locked out of Wuhan. Yeah. Unexpectedly so. While trying to go on a family trip. And you realize at this point that you can't get back in the country. So what is the next step in your mind when you realize that? What do you, what do you think, okay, do you decide you want to stay put? Or what do you decide to do at that point?
0: So at that point, the interesting thing was when we were in Malaysia, it was like business as usual. Like there was okay. no lockdown. There was nothing. There was, you know, there was no issues, no red flags, nothing. You know, you would see obviously people wearing the mask, but there was no immediate threat in the city that we were in and so it was the normality was still there so my husband was like okay well I'll just you know look for some other contracts in different places and we'll just go somewhere else and so um he decided to take a contract in the Czech Republic um in Europe and I was like okay in the process was when you know um women's um women travel travel fest was coming up so I was like, well, look, I really want to do this. You know, I really, you know, that's always been my goal, like for this year is like getting more speaking engagements and just, you know, being, a, um, you know, a catalyst for visibility and representation. And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go there. I'll, you know, handle things there. And then I'll just meet up with you guys, you know, later because, you know, my husband had my son. And so it was like, okay. And at that point, because people were asking me, you know, why didn't you take your son with you? And- what happened was our finances were low at that point we yeah. had spent so much money in you know in our savings in our investments from extending our stay in malaysia from week to week um food and you know keeping my son entertained and things of that nature we did not have we didn't even have enough money to go back to the states if we wanted to it was like i would think like i for one way for the three of us was like fifteen hundred dollars we did not have the money and so with my husband getting a new contract they paid for his flights for for him and my son to get to to europe and for me i'm like okay i can pay for myself to get to the states and then you know i can i can get back to you guys at a later time so um it definitely did get worse um before it got better which you know we didn't know because by the time i got to the states it was business as usual. Like mm-hmm. we did the Women's Travel Fest. We talked about coronavirus on our panel. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, everyone just obviously being um, diligent and recognizing that this is something that is happening. It's coming this way. So just be diligent, just practice, you know, safe hygiene practices and things of that nature. But I really do not think anybody could fathom that it would escalate so quickly, so rapidly, mm-hmm. and spread so widely. Um, it just, it, it's still like literally just the other day I was telling to my husband, I was like, can you believe we actually lived in Wuhan? Like that's, and it still hasn't left us till this day. It's so. Unbelievable. And I remember yes.
1: with you at this yeah. panel, I remember Amani and I spoke at a panel at the women's travel fest here in New York and the topic of the panel, which is, which almost seems laughable now yeah. was 2020 <laughs> destination. And I remember that leading up to the panel, we had a discussion about how do we incorporate coronavirus into this conversation? And at that point in time, it wasn't, it hadn't permeated everything the way that it has now. So the idea of having a conversation about 2020 travel and having coronavirus be part of that conversation without completely stalling travel, it was still feasible. So then after that, you're absolutely right, right after, our, our speaking engagement, everything changed.
0: I would say within a week things escalated so fast because I remember, you know, we were in New York and then I went to Jersey to see family and then I headed to Maryland, you know, where I'm from, you know, to see my parents and, you know, my aunts and uncles and, and um, because I hadn't been home in a year. So I, you know, I hadn't seen my family. And so I remember I had booked my tickets to get to um, Prague on, they were supposed to leave on March 19th. It was a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had booked it, I think it was a Thursday that I booked the week before March 19th. And so I remember talking to my husband and I kept, you know, obviously as travel writers, we keep up with what's happening in the industry. And one of the things I kept looking at was travel, you know, border bans and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And, um, within, I I would say 24 hours of me booking the ticket, they had banned 15 countries. The Czech Republic had banned 15 countries from coming in. The great thing was that the U S was not on the list. However, um, You know i was like it's only a matter of time and the hard part is to get from any of the dc airports i would have had to go through one of the 15 countries that were on the list like there was no like straight flights in so i'm like will that you know be you know something that is impeding upon me getting you know getting there like even if i just have a layover if i'm just going through heathrow or if i'm just going through amsterdam like Mm-hmm. am I going to be able to get to Prague and so the next day it was Friday and my husband was like uh, his general manager of his team said hey they're going to institute a ban that nobody can come in unless you have a residency permit or unless you have there's some other type of visa and I was like are you serious and he said yeah so at that point, I didn't know what to do because I had already spent money on not just one, but two tickets because I was trying to get around going to stopping in the country. Oh. So I so I purchased two tickets in countries that one country that wasn't on the band and then from that country over to the Czech Republic. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do because I'm like, I've already purchased these tickets. They're not refundable. Like, you know. The saving grace was I had a good friend who messaged me just randomly and was like, Hey, do you need anything? What's going on? I have miles and you know, I don't have any money, but I do have miles. And I was like, are you, se- you know, are you serious? And she was like, yeah, you can use my miles. And so we literally booked a flight for Monday. It was Sunday at this point, We booked a flight for the next day. Wow. And I was like, okay, great. I was feeling good because I'm like, this is quick. This is fast. I'll be able to get to them fairly quickly. Um, I did have a layover in Amsterdam, but I didn't think it was such a huge deal because I'm like, if I don't leave the airport, you know, there shouldn't be an issue. And the next day my flight comes, I get to Amsterdam. I have a five-hour layover. And by the time our flight is being called, they ask for anyone who has a non-Czech Republic Uh, passport to come to the front so I'm thinking okay I'm fine because it's just 15 countries that they have so they're just probably checking to make sure that you know you're not of one of the 15 and they say to me as soon as I walk up they said we just changed the regulations and if you don't have a residency visa or, or permit whatever the other type of visa was you cannot get on this flight
1: oh my god and I'm assuming that the same thing applies for train travel and just overland travel as well yeah so So. that's that's terrifying and i want to i want to sort of sit in that moment for a second because that is that's a that's a moment and that's a situation that everybody's impacted by coronavirus in one way or another but that is a really unique and insane situation as someone just commented absolutely insane because your family your husband and your son are in the czech republic you two have been separated essentially by a pandemic you're trying to get into the country you're spending more money than you can right now. <laughs> and you're right there, about to board a flight to get in. And they say, sorry, you can't. Now no. you're stranded in
0: Amsterdam. In Amsterdam airport.
1: Oh, And my gosh.
0: I was absolutely devastated. Because at this point, I had been... I li- so the day that I left my husband and son, the day that we all took our flights out of um, Asia you know, for them to go to the Czech Republic and for me to go to the States was the day after my son's third birthday. Mm. So imagine I'm already like, I'm leaving him. You know, he just had his birthday and, you know, and so we've been separated for two weeks. And then, you know, I'm standing in the airport. I'm crying. I'm going up to the customer service. And the lady tells me I have one option because she knew she's like, I know you're not trying to go all the way back to the States. You're too close. So she was like, you can go to Nuremberg, Germany. She was like, that's the only country right now that has its borders open. That's close to the Czech Republic. Um, Poland didn't even, and we actually lived in Poland. So I was actually looking to go there because we actually have like family in Poland. My son was born Mm -hmm. in Poland. And so I was like, well, what about Poland? Like, I can go there. Poland is literally to the right of the Czech Republic. So it's next door, their neighbors. So I'm like, if I can go to Poland, I'm, I'm this close. I can stay, you know, with my family, friends. And, you know, I'll be more comfortable doing that. Poland had closed their borders. Nuremberg was the only place that was open. But I was like, I'd never been to Nuremberg. And I was like, you know, already spending money. I'm like, I don't really you know, I don't want to have to get a hotel. I don't know how this long, is. how long is this going to last? Um, mm. I got my flight on credit. So I'm like, literally the next flight is just going to be to supplement the credit that I use. So I'm like, I don't have enough to afford a flight back out if I have to get out of Germany, you know? So, yeah. um, thankfully I have family in London. My brother, um, my brother is married to a British citizen. So my sister-in-law, her family, my niece, they're all there. And so I asked the lady, I said, is there a way that I can go to Heathrow? And she said, yeah, Heathrow is open. And so for me, I was just looking for somewhere that I could go, that I knew that I'd be safe, that I would be with people that I know, and that at the very least, I can just get a breath. Because at that point, like, I just couldn't breathe. Like, I couldn't breathe. I just couldn't think. I you know because in the moment the the customer service lady is telling me like borders are closing as you're standing here so you have to make a decision of where you're gonna go because if a border closes we cannot allow you to get on another flight so I'm literally within like an hour of having to make a decision of where I'm gonna go they have my bag my check bag on standby and I'm just like in the middle of this airport snot nose crying oh no. because i can't you know i can't see my baby and so um and so that's what i did i went to london um with my family and i remember walking inside of my sister-in-law's house and i just threw all of my bags down i cried so hard i cried so hard well
1: i'm sure it must have even just been a relief like you were saying it's like your option between going to a country where you don't anybody have no support system you're completely responsible for yourself versus walking into a family home and just having a place to collect your thoughts. Oh, yeah. Everything's moving so fast at this time. Yeah. And 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 this is a time when you're right, borders are closing, countries are closing, regulations are changing. Every Everything's moving so quickly. Yeah. And this was like the crescendo. And so you're in London.
0: And yeah.
1: <laughs> you're still trying to get to your family in the Czech Republic, your husband and your son. What is your husband? trying to like what is is he trying to leave the country at this
0: point what is he doing on his end so at this point like you know he's the more level-headed one and <laughs> you know I'm just like you guys got to get out of there and he's like but we have a roof over our head he was still getting paid at that point Mm-hmm. Um they weren't like like you could still like move about as far as like going to like the grocery store and stuff but like public gatherings were shut down there so like the malls were closed and things of that nature but he was like I can still get to the grocery store I can still do all of these things and so for me it was just like they're safe they have somewhere to stay um you know we don't have anywhere to go because like The way I explain, um, explain this to people, like we're American citizens, but we're not American residents. Like we have not lived in the state. I haven't lived in the state since 2015 and my husband since earlier. So we don't have like a property in the States or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so for us, it's literally a matter of like finding someone that we can stay with or, you know, having to stay in a hotel, which ended up happening, but, um, you know, so we don't have a residence. So a lot of people were like, hey, why don't you guys just go to the States? And it was like, but where are we going to go? We have families it's scattered. It's cost money. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot to, for us to get there, number one. And then it's going to be A hassle of okay, where are we gonna stay? My husband's mother has a one bedroom apartment. My parents live with other family members, siblings live with other family members. So it's like where you know, where are we gonna go as a family of three that we can all be together? We've been separated long enough. So it was one of those kind of things where it was like, okay, right now I'm safe. I'm here in London, I'm with family. You guys are safe, you have a roof over your head your routine isn't hasn't changed so we just have to stay where we are
1: and how long is at this point in time how long has it been that you and your family are separated so at at this this point
0: in the story at this point in the story it's about okay so i we left we separated on um march 28th i got to london on march 16th so this is going on three weeks oh
1: wow (laughs) I mean that, and that's, that's awful. I mean, it's absolutely, I just like the emotional toll and and there's so many factors at play, you know, as you're telling this story, it's like not only are you trying to navigate this rapidly changing system that's being completely overhauled by coronavirus, but at the same time, you're dealing with the financial worry and then you're dealing with the emotional, just like turmoil of trying to get back to your family. Yeah. So you're in London. Mm-hmm. They're in the public Republic at this point in the story. Okay. How do
0: you reunite? So at, I would say, maybe 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. And and it's funny because I said it to my husband. I was like, they're going to cancel your season. Obviously, it's American football. It's outdoor football. They can't have gatherings. You obviously can't have practice. You can't have a team, you know, playing against another team. And his team would have had to travel to, like, Germany and other places And I'm like, it's not going to happen. And literally within 24 to 48 hours of me landing in London, um, he called me and he's like, they're canceling the season. And so for us, we have, we've dealt with that plenty of times without a pandemic. So we know what that means. When a season's canceled, that means housing's canceled. That means contract canceled. So we knew that they were going to be looking to fly him out. The only thing was they were looking to try to get him to the States. And we were trying to, he was trying to explain to them, like, I don't necessarily have somewhere to go in the state and so he asked them if they could reroute him to london and we were going to be there because when i first got to london it wasn't on lockdown it wasn't on Mm -hmm. lockdown yet um and like i said this was around march 16th um everything was fairly normal my sister-in-law lives in an area called southall which is literally i would say 15 minutes away from Heathrow Airport it's a very bustling area that has you know Mm -hmm. vendors and outdoor markets and and all those things and so nothing had been locked down yet so we were like okay well you guys can come to London you know everything is still relatively you know normal and they Mm -hmm. get their ticket booked for two days later and within a day after that everything locked down in London
1: Oh, so are they already in London at this point? So they didn't get there yet.
0: No, they didn't get there yet. Oh
1: my God. So the good thing. So what's happening with Mm the, out of curiosity, because a lot of money, you know, like this is a thing, like a lot of travelers during this time are losing money left and right from canceled flights, canceled trips. Oh yeah. So what's happening in terms of
0: that, that experience? So
1: he can't fly with your son now to London to meet you. What is so, the airline doing?
0: So, the good thing was when it came to my flight getting to London, because it was on credits and because obviously it was out of my control not being able to go back, um, they just rerouted me for okay. free, no cost at all. Um, when it came to my husband and my son, because they're US citizens, the UK hadn't put a ban yet on any kind of travel. So, they were still able to get over there. The only thing that happened was I had booked, I booked a hotel for two weeks. I tried to book a hotel for two weeks. And then we found out that, so I think that they landed on the 23rd. Mm -hmm. We found out that literally within the week they were closing all the hotels. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) My gosh, it's just—it's like dominoes. It's like one thing falling after another.
0: Literally, the day that they were landing is when I found out. And so I'm in the hotel. I'm crying. At the same time, I had booked an Airbnb for the week after we were supposed to get out of the hotel. I had talked to the girl. I was like double checking. Hey, this is a pandemic going on. I'll be coming with my family. She was like, it's fine. Book it. And then as soon as the front desk tells me. I go into my email and I see that she's canceled our Airbnb booking.
1: How are you, I have to ask, how are you dealing at this point in the story? Just dealing with the emotion of this because this is such a stressful situation even in the best of circumstances. Yeah. And this is, your story is, is a confluence of all the worst <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. How are you dealing with it emotionally at this point in time when everything, it just seems like the, just everything's stacked against you.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a lot, I will say. Um, it was a lot. And it was a lot of hard moments where I just cried. I just, I had, like, the one big cry when I first got to my sister-in-law's. Like, that was just, like, a huge, just, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. I just, I was hungry. I was tired. You know, just one of those cries where you're just extremely physically and mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just being with family, it really helped. You know, my niece is there and um you know she's you know kids just really revive your your energy and your livelihood and remind you that some things are are okay some things are okay and for me it's like she kept that spirit for me but and then my son on the other side he kept thinking every time we would FaceTime that I was at the airport he's like "Mommy's at the airport I've got to put my shoes on and that would crush me again and so it was really a roller coaster it was a roller coaster of like okay we can figure this out we're going to get through this we're all healthy we're we're we all have a roof over our heads you know just trying to find a mental space of like the things that I could be thankful for. Um, mm-hmm. But then at the same time, as a as a mom, I'm, that's this was the longest I've ever been away from my son, ever. Um, I've never been away from him longer than like, I would say five or six days. Wow. Um, and so going this long, I was just like, and then seeing him cry and seeing him despondent, he's not that kind of kid. And it just, it, it was crushing. It was very crushing. But at the same time, it was like, you know, jumping into that mode of I have to do what I have to do. I have to figure this out. I have to continue to write. At that point, I was still freelancing. I have to continue to try to find a way to make an income. I have to try to find a way to, you know, keep my spirits up and and keep myself in a positive, you know, in a positive space. When I got to the hotel and they told me that they were canceling, that crushed me again because I'm like, where are we going to go? We have nowhere to go. We have nowhere in the States to go. And I think thankfully for me, Um, I did something that I know that a lot of people are hesitant to do. I really use my network. I really like put it out there that this is what's happening. I was on Twitter. I was on Instagram and I was letting people know I'm separated from my family. We don't have enough money to get x y and z like letting people know every step of the way this is where I'm at when I got um rerouted from Amsterdam I'm like they're not letting me on the plane I'm devastated I'm missing my son I'm do I'm like literally using every network that I can to show people like this is the reality this is what's going on like this is what's happening to people in the world um you know because with expats people forget like even though you repatriate and you come back to the states some people genuinely don't have anywhere to go you know yeah. some people genuinely don't have an income now you know i have friends that were teachers in certain places that are no longer working because that's where their income was coming from that's where their housing was coming from very similar mm-hmm. to us and so you know it was just i i just put it out there like this is what i need help with and um what was I the response to- like when
1: you put it out there because that's a big decision it's like, oh, yeah. it's 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 vulner it's vulnerability that's what it is it's a big decision to decide to put something so difficult and so close to home out into the world and to just essentially be vulnerable and allow people to help you and also allow people to comment yeah so what was it like when you did that did you find overall people were supportive and helpful and and, oh yeah yeah. oh yeah
0: it was so necessary at that time I had written two pieces about the experience I'd written um, Mm -hmm. one for Cosmo and i would written one for Business Insider and um you know it was and even just putting it on Twitter it was it was therapeutic to do that as well because i was like no one will ever know what it is that people are going through that look like them because everyone thinks this is this is china or this is somewhere over here and even as we talked about on the panel when it's outside of you it's like okay that's what's going on over there but you know If it doesn't look like you if it doesn't talk like you it's so far outside of you or your Mm -hmm. comprehension that you're like i i don't know what's going on so for me it was like this is real for me imani the black american woman that has the blue passport that you know that you that's from maryland that's from places that you know that you know that looks like you that that does the same things that you do this is not You know, this is not odd to you. This is, this is what is happening. And so, um, the response was really great. I ended up having. I think like thirty of my children's book with me. And so I put those up on Twitter for sale. I'm like, I'm trying to get to my husband and son. I just need to sell thirty of these to at least have like some traveling money. I had sold out of books faster than I could like write down who purchased them. I had people That's like sending great. me Yeah, I had people like sending me money. Like I don't know if I don't want a book. I just want you to get to your husband and son. Like Oh, I yeah. love that. I love
1: those moments of humanity because that's, you know, that's one of the things that I think is the silver lining about coronavirus is that there's so much light in the darkness and that right there. That's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful.
0: It was, it was literally like the most humbling experience obviously because you feel very vulnerable in that moment right. like I have to express to people you know this but also at the same time I wanted people to see that travel is ugly sometimes travel is not a predictable thing it's not this airbrushed Instagrammy moment sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. it's very ugly sometimes it's very separatist sometimes it's very gritty and having to figure out what your next move is going to be outside of your own understanding. Sometimes it's that. Like, I can say I'm a seasoned traveler. Yeah, but I've never dealt with anything like this. And who gives you the tools? You know what I mean? Like, where do you get the tools to learn how to navigate this particular incident? You just don't. You have to just get in there and and, and figure it out just like anything else. And so, you know, I, I really did want people to see this and know that this is what's happening. This is what is happening to me and my family right now. And probably other families or other people that are separated by borders um, and can't get to their families and so um, it was really great and then on top of that using my network um, I had a friend who she her, she has a daughter who's, you know, who's very sickly. And so she was like, I'm not in Georgia right now because they haven't locked anything down. I don't feel safe with being there because, you know, I'd have to take her everywhere. But my apartment is there and the rent is paid. So if you want to go there, your family can go there. And so literally that's wow. where we are.
1: That is amazing. And that, yeah. again, like that is just human kindness. And oh I... God. Sharing a story is so important, and i and I truly believe that like coronavirus and a pandemic can be distilled down to just numbers, yeah you know when when you're the onslaught of daily news and the twenty four hour news cycle is just constantly the death toll, the number of cases yeah. the number of infections, and so it's the importance of stories like this that really just help show the human toll and the human face of it, and I want to thank you for sharing that story with us. Oh, because sure. it's It's an incredible story, but I do want to, I want to end on a high note and I want to talk about, there's so much to talk about because I I do love your travel writing and I did (laughs) see your piece in Business Insider and Cosmo and I highly recommend for anyone who's going to listen to this afterward or who's on this right now to check out Amani's writing. It's beautiful. It's poignant. Um, But I want to talk about your children's book series because that is, I love the concept and I love that at the end of the day, this series also saved you and and helped (laughs) get you to where you need to go and and
0: united you with
1: your family so it's called take off toddler
0: follow the take off toddler yeah
1: and tell us a little bit about your book series
0: yeah so obviously living living abroad you know there's not many books like my son really likes like trucks and cars and so typically whenever we buy him like illustrated books they're usually trucks or cars but I'm like sometimes you know you want to see something or someone that looks like you and then I thought like in a larger perspective, I'm like, wow, we do something that for our community, the black community is a little more nuanced. Um, it's not really introduced at such a young age. It is now millennials are now really, I think it says like 44% of millennial parents travel. So I think that's fantastic. But, you know, growing up, that wasn't a thing. I didn't get my passport until my twenties and mm-hmm. neither did my husband. And so my my son had a passport at seven weeks old. And I wanted to provide something um, for kids that look like him, for marginalized kids, kids that live in communities that they don't necessarily get a chance to see the world, to have a window seat into the world through literature. Um, I started off when I moved abroad as an educator. I I was a high school literature teacher, Mm -hmm. and I taught 10th and 11th grade. And one thing that I realized, I'm like, you know... I would just have real talk sessions with my students and they would tell me some of the craziest things that people would say to them on Twitter. I was teaching in Egypt and they would say, Miss, they ask us if we ride camels to school and they ask some of the craziest things. And I'm like, do they know what y'all parents are driving? They're driving (laughs) Beamers and Benzes and, you know, they live in these beautiful homes. And I'm like, you know, but people really don't know what's outside of their bubble and so for me i'm like i have the privilege to be able to travel the world i have the privilege to be able to take my son to places that people never even heard about. And so when I created Follow the Takeoff Tyler, number one, I wanted the character to be in the likeness of him. I wanted um, the character to be a little black boy that travels the world, Mm -hmm. that meets other kids that look like him and that don't look like him and that eat different food and they speak different languages. And so within the book, you're getting um, foreign language um, I have like lessons on different terms that you can say in different areas of the world. My first series is in Cairo cause that's where my husband and I met. That's where my son took his first steps. It's just a very special place for us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, It teaches you history, it teaches you geography, it breaks down phonetics. So it's also very much um, education friendly for literacy um, purposes. And so um, I remember I was so excited. I ordered 500 copies of the book because obviously I'm living in China, so it's very (laughs) very inexpensive to get 500 copies. And I brought with me 100 copies to the States and that's literally all that I had left because 350 copies, I would say. Are in a warehouse in Wuhan, China. Wow!
1: And yeah. for people who want to get this book, how can they? How can they get their hands on a copy of one so, of those five hundred copies? Uh,
0: so, as of now, um, <laughs> I'm still figuring out. Like, literally in this last week, I've been figuring out. Okay, how do I get you know my surplus black Because I made my book super colorful. I made it super purf- purposeful for children, and so I cannot put it on Amazon for that reason because they have specific logistics of how you're supposed to place it. And I don't want my book to be anything other than what it is that I created it to be. And so all of the printing has to be done by me. It's self-published and everything. So I've just been looking and finding like price points to get more books. So just stick around, just stay tuned. If you guys, you know, follow my page as she is Imani B. Just stay tuned. I'm I'm literally going through like pricing from different printers all over the place to figure out how I can get more copies. Um, and then once I do, it'll be up on the website um and I'll have it ready. But as of now, I'm still just kind of like kinda of in limbo with it,
1: figuring it all out as we yeah. all are in this situation. <laughs> and I just want to reiterate, follow Amani Bashir at she is B on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm just so happy that you're reunited with your family. Truly. I know yeah. it was a hellish ordeal. And I am, I'm just happy you guys are all together, safe and sound in Atlanta.
0: Thank you so much. And and you as well, Nikki, I, you know, I can't say it enough, you know, because I follow your journey and it's like, we were sitting together, you know I what know. I mean? And so everything <laughs> that, you know, everybody had gone through past women's travel fest is just, you know, mind boggling to me, but just glad to see that you're healthy and that you're safe. Um, I'm so thankful to always be able, you know, to speak and to just give people the real side of what travel is, you know, um, for travel women, it's not one thing. It's not, a linear thing so I'm so thankful that you do this series and let people into this you know the sides that people just really don't get a chance to see and then eventually one day I'm going to be on an unearthed women cover yes you will
1: I mean you're made for a cover that is you have a cover girl
0: manifesting manifesting
1: (laughs) one day and one day I might tap you for printing in China because it is Printing in the U.S. is a lot of
0: money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. but we'll have
1: us—we'll have that conversation
0: offline. Listen, <laughs> we will talk. I will share my connects and my contacts. I got you. Don't worry.
1: Amazing. <laughs>